Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. It's afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Watch us on MileHighSports.com. Listen to Mile High Sports Radio, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3 FM. I'm Andrew Mason, coming to you live from Florida. One more day down here after covering the league meetings. Eric Goodman, he's away. He's on assignment. He's going to be back on Monday. So joining me from back in the Mile High Sports Studios in Greenwood Village, Colorado, is the one and only Aaron Anderson. Aaron, how are you, my friend? Mace, how are you doing, man? How's Florida? What's the weather like out there, bud? Okay, last night where I was, we actually had a tornado warning come through overnight. But today it's sunny. It's beautiful. After after the rain came, sunshine, Florida is living up to its reputation. How about up there? Uh, we've got a day right now, blue sky here in uh, the Mile High City. I think temperature is right around 60. Um, can't complain. It looks like spring is on the way. I have to be honest with you, Mace. It's April Fool's Day. Yes. And when you and I spoke, you said, hey, man, would you mind sitting? And I said, dude, absolutely. And then I got an email back where you said, um, yeah, you're going to be uh, in studio. I'm going to be in Florida. And I thought, to be honest with you, I thought you were pulling my leg. So the, the, the <laughs> fact that you're actually in Florida, uh, there was a part of me that wasn't sure, but but here you are, man. Uh, you, uh, so just confirm, you're not like you're doing this from your house here uh, in the metro area. You're actually across the country. I, I am. And, okay. and the, the, the wonder of technology here, uh, Danny, uh, uh, Danny, Danny connects us. And uh, the, the way it works is... Uh, at any one time, either Eric or I can be away. We have we we'll always have one of us in studio, one of us, one of us away. The only thing we haven't quite pulled off yet is doing the show where he's away from the studio and I'm away from the studio, and and we're and we're live. Maybe maybe that's something uh, that that's that's something for the future. But no, yeah, I wouldn't look. It, I didn't send that to you on April Fool's Day, so I wasn't. I, I wouldn't have been <laughs> kidding about that. But that being said. I don't really have like I haven't done the April Fool's thing today. I haven't had a I haven't uh, fooled anybody. I, I actually saw that you um you retweeted SI Sports Illustrated mm. uh this morning. Probably the best sports related April Fool's prank yes. was a an article that Sports Illustrated had about a Mets pitching prospect named Sid Finch, and they actually kind of took it to the next level, mm-hmm. having him actually hang out with the Mets they did some stage photo shoots and that kind of thing yeah and that was one that kind of got everybody it yeah seemed. but that, that's kind of the creme de la creme of April Fool's sports jokes but you know and what's funny is I had seen Dwight Gooden pitch in the 84 mm-hmm. all-star game at Candlestick Park and instantly became a Mets fan I, I, I loved everything about Dwight Gooden and here comes this article is I'm ramping up for what figured to be a, a, a great sophomore season, which indeed it was for Dwight Gooden. And <laughs> on, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday when Sports Illustrated would land in our mailbox uh, where I grew up in Napa, California. And mm-hmm. man, I would just devour Sports Illustrated. I'd read every article about sports I, I'd never even seen, like hockey. And here comes this article about this prospect 
who is likely to displace Dwight Gooden because according to George Plimpton, the article of this piece, this guy, Sid Finch, uh, could throw a fastball 168 miles an hour and could do it without any stress on his body. And if that were the case, if he could pitch every day, which Mel Stottlemyre, who was quoted in the article, said he might be able to, there might not be a need for a Dwight Gooden in New York. So here I was, a young kid, very impressionable, and <laughs> I got I really got nailed by that April Fool's joke. I had no idea. I mean, I knew what April Fool's you know jokes were mm-hmm. growing up, but I had no idea that you know they would play out in such a large scale on Sports Illustrated. Yeah, that, and I I remember getting Sports Illustrated as well, and I was about eight years old when I got it, and I will admit I was completely fooled by it. Absolutely fooled. But then again, I was eight. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was a little bit older, but I was fooled as well. Hey, I, I just saw something that I thought you'd get a kick out of. Yeah. This is from Governor Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey. And mm-hmm. today he issued uh, an executive order number 401, uh, where he basically decided that he was going to change the New York, uh, the, excuse me, the New Jersey state bird to the middle finger. And (laughs) as you read through this thing, it's absolutely hysterical. But the bottom line is, you know, he says the state bird is hereby changed from the American goldfinch to the middle finger. It says it shall be the duty of every person or entity in this state or doing business in this state and of the members of the governing body and every official employee or agent of every political subdivision in this state and each member of all the governmental bodies, agencies and authorities in this state to cooperate fully in all matters concerning this order. The next line is happy, happy April fools. So for me, that's, that's probably the best. Giving him the bird, you know, the finger. Ah, top gun. Yes. Very good. Like they're, they're part of the proclamation is that by change, by the foe change, the middle finger that it would quote, reflect New Jersey's culture and values unquote, (laughs) while pointing out how their drivers are quote, Famous for their skills, enthusiasm, and expressive hand gestures, unquote. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is the classic example of the joke that has po- that has many elements of truth in it, it is. which is why it, which is why that that was so good uh, on their part. The thing is, like, it's 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 kind of hard to kind of pull it off for 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 long although i like what the avalanche did today did you did you i missed see... it what what did they do mace okay the avalanche play the 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 colorado avalanche played up a trade of mascots with the columbus blue jackets oh wow that that of course the 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 the, the uh the Avalanche, of course, have Bernie, a yep. Saint Bernard, as as their as their ma- as their official mascot, mm-hmm. and they played up that uh, and th- that they were making that they were making a trade for the Blue Jackets mascot, which is a. Uh, how would you describe the Blue Jackets mascot, Danny? It's like a, it, it's an insect of some description, right? Kind of, but it's very green. Yeah, it's almost like a. Almost like a blue version of a yellow jacket, I guess. Yeah, it oh, looks, a blue it looks like a like a Smurf with wings, kind of. Ha! Right? Yeah, it, it, that, that's a, that's a pretty good way of describing it. Its name is Stinger, and and so the the Avs and Blue Jackets work together to have a series of of tweets playing out that the teams had a, had traded mascots that um, 
there was uh, that there was even like a little like a, a fair like a farewell uh, a tr- photo tribute. Thanks for the mem- thanks for the memories. Blah blah blah. And then they they pull back from it. Also, kind of tying in, it's a big weekend for college basketball. Um, you know who Brad Davison is at the University of Wisconsin, right? Just to he'd seen like one a, a guard for them, but it seemed like he'd been there forever because mm-hmm. he'd been there since. 2017-18. Probably, mm-hmm. if you're not a Wisconsin fan, probably the most hated player in the Big Ten over the last <laughs> few years. Okay. Wisconsin's all-time leader in three-point shots, but he he played so much as a freshman, and then he stayed. And of course, he because he had the fifth year, the perception is, my goodness, this guy has been here forever. And so this morning, on their official Twitter account, they put out they they put out that Brad Davison has applied for and been granted a medical waiver from a previous year when he played 29 games, although he did have an injury. That he got a medical waiver to get a sixth season and was going to come back. And some of the responses were just from other teams. Fans are like, "No, wow. <laughs> we thought we were rid of him." I love that. Yeah, very yeah. creative. And in yeah, yeah, look, this is a day where you have license to have a little fun. I, I can tell you a funny story. When I was working at Channel Nine, uh, I think it was two years ago. It might have been, might have been nineteen or maybe twenty. But on April Fool's Day, George Carl tweeted something to the effect that he was going to go back to the Sacramento Kings and and coach. And mm-hmm. so I shot a a screenshot of that text to Rod Mackey, thinking that Rod would realize that this was a funny April Fool's joke. Well, he went all in, thinking that George Carl was coming out of retirement. And at the last minute, we kind of calmed him down. I mean, he he was nearly taken by it. So you have to be careful, certainly, if you're in the media, because today is one of those days where there may be something that, that you may hop on that uh, certainly could be a joke. Exactly. And and before we uh, uh, before we conclude this conversation, conversation, I want to give a, a tip of the cap to my favorite April Fool's joke from any Colorado team. And it was the Colorado Rapids eight years ago, okay. which declared – that they would be wearing the uniforms of the old North American Soccer League Caribous of Colorado. (laughs) And the Caribous played in 1978, one season and out back in uh, in the heyday of the NASL. These uniforms have, like, you know, cowboy style fringe on, like you see kind of the fringe on the, uh, that, on the chest. So mm-hmm. you got the leather fringe on them, collars that are roughly the size of surfboards. They're straight out of uh, leisure suits. And they got <laughs> their players at the time to pose for a bunch, bunch of pictures wearing these and said they were going to, that these were going to be their throwback uniforms. And, uh, and the thing is, Arn, I wish this was on, was not April Fool's joke. I wish just once they were at, would actually wear those uniforms. You. Ridiculous I'm- as they are. I'm with you. I mean, it, it, I'm guessing I, I don't I'm trying to create a picture in my mind of what that would look like, but it had to be hideous like the old White Sox uniforms, right? That had that white collar thing and uh, early 80s that looked putrid. I mean, just for one game, why not do something goofy like that? Exactly. And it, in fact, I actually found the tweet from eight years ago. So I'm going to put it out there on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feet at at Mays Denver at uh, R.N. Anderson. That's uh, Anderson. Don't forget uh, with an E.N. at the end and A.A.R.R.A.N. for the first name as still my still the favorite joke I've ever seen. Macara team on April Fool's Day is the, the threatening to wear the fringe by the Colorado Rockies eight 
years ago today. Coming up on the other side, we're going to move past April Fool's Day, uh, to, although it's, it's something you can't ignore. And so you take everything with a grain of salt, of course, but we're going to keep things on the level here for the next for the next couple of hours. And we're going to talk to Dave Benz, the TV voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Of course, he's in town tonight to discuss tonight's Nuggets Timberwolves game. We're going to check out, we're going to learn about the Timberwolves, talk about the Nuggets next on the other side. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Aaron Anderson in for Eric Goodman. Andrew Mason here on Mile High Sports Radio, MileHighSports.com. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3 FM. If you want to join the conversation on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Mace Denver for me, at Aaron Anderson, A-R-R-A-N, Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N on Twitter. Of course, Aaron is uh, back in the studio in Denver filling in uh, for Eric. I'm down here uh, in in Florida at my, at my Fultz place, and it's time now for What's Trending. The Buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have over 600 five-star reviews? No one has better service, and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. Okay, so yeah, we were gonna have uh, we were gonna have Dave Benz the uh, the voice. Mace, hang on, I got him. Uh, I just had to call a different number, but I got him now. Oh, okay, we got him. All right, cool. So uh, we are going to have Dave Benz, uh, voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves on on television up there in Minnesota on with us. Of course, uh, Timberwolves in town in Denver to take on the Nuggets tonight. Uh, uh, Dave, you're on with uh, Aaron Anderson here and Andrew Mason here on uh, Mile High Sports. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing all right. First of all, for those going out to uh, going out to the game night, watching on television, those Denver fans who don't know much about the Minnesota Timberwolves, what can they expect from them? Uh, they can expect. Well, I mean, Nuggets fans have seen the Timberwolves three times this year already. Actually, technically, the, these teams have met four times because they met in the preseason already too. So, um, but you know, you, you, it's a Timberwolves team that has good chemistry. They've got a little bit of uh, chippiness to them defensively. And they go to the arena every night not believing that they're going to win, but expecting that they're going to win, which is a big difference from, you know, what this team has been in the past. So uh, the team has had a little, bit of a, a little bit of a skid right now. They've just won in four of the last five, but it's been a really tough part of the schedule. And, you know, the math doesn't look good uh, in terms of them being able to catch Denver and or Utah and climb out of the, out of the playing tournament. But, you know, they're still – 
they're still believing that, hey, you know what, try to run the table these final five, five games that they've got left and, you know, see where the chips fall. Dave, I, I, this is Aaron Anderson uh, here in Denver. Welcome to the Mile High City. Um, question, Good to be here. The, the question I have is, look, we've got five games left in the regular season. As you stated, it, you know, the, the T-Wolves are going to have to win out to have any hope of, of catching the Nuggets or the Jazz uh, to, to have a chance to move out of that seven spot. Uh, you've been around this team. You've got a finger on the pulse. Uh, kind of how does the team, how, how do they approach these last five games? It, you know, that far back of, of both these teams that are in front of them, do they feel like there's a chance or are they kind of relegated to the seven spot and, and thus they're going to have to get ready for a play-in game? Um, you know, obviously, like I said, the math isn't good. They're, they're, they're very aware of what the numbers are, but at the same time, they, you know, they, they feel like, hey, stranger things have happened. You know what? You win tonight. You're, you're two back at Denver. Mm-hmm. And I know the Nuggets will be, you know, likely be favored in, in three of their final four with the only one maybe that they might not be favored in would be against Memphis. But, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll certainly be favored in, in three of the other four and maybe even favored against Memphis. Who knows? But at the, at the same time, the schedule looks awfully soft, but you're going to Lakers team that's probably going to have LeBron and AD back. They're mm-hmm. playing to try to get into the playoffs and salvage their season. And, you know, you're playing a Spurs team with Greg Popovich that also wants to get into the playoffs. And obviously the Grizzlies have been fantastic. So is it likely that the Nuggets are going to, you know, lose enough games down the stretch that Timberwolves are going to be able to catch them? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But you win tonight, you get it back down to two games, and, and, you know, anything can happen. I think that's kind of the attitude of, of the team right now. They feel like, you know what, let's win this game and put the pressure on them and see where the ships fall. Dave Benz, TV Voice of the Miss, or Timberwolves joining us here. Of course, the T-Wolves in town tonight take on the uh, the Denver Nuggets. Of course, as long as if even if they don't, the Timberwolves don't get that number six seed as effectively as long as long as they win one of a potential two games in the play in the Timberwolves would make just their second playoff appearance uh, since the uh, 2004-2005 season. When you look at the arc of this season and how the Timberwolves c- come together, uh, when do you think it w- when did it become apparent that? this team was drastically different than most of the ones that you've seen over the last decade or so so up there in Minnesota? Well, I mean, people who were close to the team, I think, saw it in training camp and saw that there was, you know, a difference with this team and and some chemistry and some toughness with bringing in Patrick Beverly and, uh, you know, some some real guidance at the the top of things with Chris Finch, who, you know, was an assistant here with Mike Malone a few years ago for a season. And, you know, honestly, it's one of the guys who, who helped unlock Nikola Jokic. So you guys can thank him. He, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he convinced me. The, 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 the story is that he convinced Mike Malone that the offense should run through Nikola Jokic. And obviously the rest is history. Um, but Chris Finch has been fantastic for everything that the Timberwolves have done. And, you know, so, so to answer your question, like I said, back in training camp, I think the people that were close to the team really felt like, hey, this team has a chance to do something and a chance to be different than what we've seen in the past. But, it didn't really start showing on the court until early January. They, you know, on January 2nd, they lost and they were 16 and 20 on the season. And, you know, it, it looked like things were not really clicking and not going to go so well. But then all of a sudden they, they got things together. And, you know, ever since that point, they've been, they've been a fantastic team. They've been fun to watch. They've played together. And, you know, they've been, they've been tough to beat on any given night. And, Dave, they've won two of the three matchups with the Nuggets, which, which is curious for me because – 
everyone here in Denver is aghast that the the narrative nationally is that Nikola uh, Nikola Jokic uh, may be uh, in second place right now in the MVP running. Joel Embiid seems to be the favorite if you listen to the national pundits, but yet here everybody feels like Denver is you know the redheaded stepchild. Jokic is. Uh, you know, by by all accounts, having a better year this year statistically than he did last year when he won the MVP. But yet, Carl Anthony Towns has done a great job against him in their head-to-head battles uh, so far this year. W- what is the secret, Ben? How has he been so effective versus Jokic when it seems like everybody else in the league has just such a tough time uh, putting a lid on him? Well, I mean, it's a it's a small sample size if you just going off this season. I mean, prior to this season, Jokic had won the last seven meetings head to head with Cap. So, mm-hmm. you know, at some at some point, you think it's going to balance out because they're both fantastic players, and you know, clearly Jokic has has been on just an unbelievable tear the last season and a half. Um, and you know, I, I think, but I mean, it's tough because Joel played great against us in the games that we played against Philly too, but. Um, I think Jokic would get my MVP vote if I had one, just given the fact that he's had to do it, you know, without Jamal Murray, with Michael Porter Jr. being down, and he's really had to put that team on his back. And every time that he's, you know, he's needed to deliver, he has. So, uh, you know, but going back to your question with Cat and Jokic, I mean, they they have a they have a relationship that goes all, all the way back to when they were in high school and they played at the Nike Hoop Summit together and they were teammates on the world team. So it, he, I know he takes a lot of pride in the matchup against Nicola and, um, you know, it, it's one that definitely is on our ra- his radar and he always wants to perform well in with Carl Anthony Towns' long-term future, of course, he's got two more years left on the contract that he signed, but uh, potentially this summer – a super max contract would would be in play. They could start. They could get him to that. Is that something you expect the Timberwolves to work on and do over the next few months to get him taken care of long term and continue building around him? Uh, well, I mean, Cat is going to get taken care of. There is no question about that. The, the team is not wanting him to go anywhere. Um, you know, he's still, as you said, he, he's not. He's on year two of that five year deal that he signed just a couple of years ago. And clearly the Supermax changes the money significantly for him, and we all hope that he gets it. And uh, I think everybody in Minnesota, though, they're, you know, they're not wanting him to go anywhere. He has really matured this year into a leader with the team uh, and has shown a lot of toughness and grit. And, uh, you know, I, I think that he's going to be a symbol for a long, long time. He's been, you know, rewriting the franchise record book. A lot of things that were owned by Kevin Garnett are now starting to be owned by Carl Anthony Towns and, uh, you know, uh, and the crazy part is he's still just 26 years old. <laughs> That's the right. crazy part. So he, he's just really getting into his basketball prime right now. You've got another probably, you know, five, six years of prime Carl Anthony Towns and still probably even room for him to get even better. So, you know, clearly Jokic has been unbelievable. And Beat, as you said, has been unbelievable. Um, but if Carl Anthony Towns doesn't end up with, with a spot on an all-NBA team this year, then there's they're seriously going to be something that has gone wrong because he's had a fantastic year. Dave, one more question for me. I know that as we take a step back, I, the team that is just so surprising for me, the way they've just had ups and downs all year, is the Lakers. And Earlier this week, Russell Westbrook was asked by one of the beat writers what needed to change, and he literally had no answer. He, he pointed the question right back to this journalist to say, I don't know, you tell me. Uh, with, with AD coming back, it figures to be a jolt in, in maybe a, a, a step in the right direction. 
How dangerous, and you've been paying attention to this team certainly from afar, how dangerous might the Lakers be if things click and, and they go from, you know, the, the play into, you know, full steam as they head into the postseason? Well, you know, like I said, I that's why the Timberwolves don't want to get into the play-in because it's looking right. like right now if the, Timberwolves, if the Timberwolves are in the play-in, they're probably seeing Paul George and the Clippers in game one. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't work out the way the Timberwolves hope it will work out, you're looking at possibly LeBron and Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony and, you know, having some ties with some people in L.A., they're – their motto the entire season out there has just been, you know, get to let's just get to the postseason. Like, whatever it's going to take to get to the postseason, let's get to the postseason. I don't think anybody's going to want to see that team, um, you know, come the postseason. So, you know, that's it's, it's scary to think about. It's scary to think about LeBron James with a chip on his shoulder. That's all, that's all I got to say. And I don't think anybody wants to see that. So, you know, best case scenario, I think, for every other team in the NBA would be for them not to get into the play-in and not even get a chance at it. That would be the best thing. And um, you know, but clearly, Timberwolves are not hoping that are hoping that's not the case. Because if the, if the Lakers get knocked out of the uh, play-in, it probably means that the Nuggets won both games against them, and that's not going to help the Timberwolves cause. Of course, the only positive on that potentially, if they have to go in the play-in, is they'd be at home where they believe they've won uh, 12 of the last 15 games uh, up there in Minneapolis. So given the relative lack of uh, playoff games over the last uh, last decade and a half, what would that environment be like in a, a, in a, in a game or two of potential do or die situations like that? I think it'd be pretty, I think it'd be pretty intense. The fans have been great down the stretch. They've been coming out in droves. They've been supporting the team. So uh, I think it'd be a frenzied atmosphere and, you know, do does anybody on our team fear the Clippers or fear the Lakers? I wouldn't go that far, but it's just you know you just you don't you know that if you put yourself into a one game scenario that anything is possible and you want to avoid that at all costs. But I do think the Timberwolves will have a home court advantage that might actually surprise some of the other teams coming in because a lot of teams over the years have gotten used to just going in and the fans just being kind of like ho hum because the Timberwolves haven't given them a lot to cheer about. Um, but now that the team has given them a lot to cheer about, they've responded, and it has really turned into uh, quite an environment to see for some of our home games. Well, it's always it's always fun to see a team emerge after after so long like this. And uh, I think one of the best under under the radar stories in the NBA this year is what you guys have got going on in uh, Minnesota. Dave, always a pleasure. Hope you're enjoying your time back here in the Mile High City. You worked you worked here uh, some time ago, and uh, it's it's all it's always good to have it, have you back in town. All right, guys, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Dave. All right, no problem. There he goes. Dave Benz, the television voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, of course, tonight. The Timberwolves taking on the Denver Denver Nuggets, 7 o'clock Mountain Time out uh, there at Ball Arena. Timberwolves in the seventh spot in the Western Conference. Nuggets tied for the sixth spot with the Utah Jazz right now. Of course, the Jazz uh, beat the Los Angeles Lakers last night. Timberwolves sitting there at 43 and 34. Nuggets at 46 and 31. Really, uh, a win tonight for the Nuggets, Aaron, would basically, for all intents and purposes, give them uh, that number six seed and, and likely keep them out of the play-in. No, and, and uh, you know, the fact that uh, the T-Wolves come in here, this is the third game of a four-game road trip. They've lost four of five heading in. It certainly feels like this is a, a game that the Nuggets should be able to win. And uh, like you say, uh, you get that W, and I don't want to use the word coast, but it certainly takes pressure off the final four games as Michael Malone and, and company hope to be healthy and, and ready when that postseason begins. 
Right, and then it's a matter of if they're the, if they're the six. Of course, it's so close there for the third and fourth seed. The Warriors and Mavericks currently tied for the for the three spot right now. So it's not like you can position yourself to play one or the other because they're so even. And of course, the Nuggets and Jazz are sitting there, both forty six and thirty one, coming into tonight tonight's action. So what if the Nuggets get the win tonight? Like, can they coast? Possibly, but uh, it might be a little bit of a, a Russian roulette uh, matchup-wise. Coming up on the other side, we're going to drop down to the college level, discuss the Final Four. A couple of big semifinals, four Blue Bloods in the Final Four this weekend in New Orleans, Kansas, Villanova up first, and then North Carolina and Duke. What do we think is going to happen in the, in the semifinals? We'll tell you all about it on the other side. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Andrew Mason in for Eric Goodman. Aaron Anderson sitting in for Eric Goodman. Mile High Sports Radio, milehighsports.com. Baby, do a leap and make them dance when it come on. Everybody looking for a dance floor to run on. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Watch us on milehighsports.com. Listen on Mile High Sports Radio. 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD, 3 FM. If you want to join us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Prox Twitter feed, I'm at Mace Denver. And joining me today, Aaron Anderson. He is at Aaron Anderson, A-R-R-A-N-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N on Twitter. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. Okay, time now for the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed with our guys Ty Cal, Caden, Evan from the Just Us Guys podcast. It's Final Four weekend, and in terms of Blue Bloods, Few Final Fours have been any bluer than this. <laughs> Kansas and Villanova in the first semifinal. North Carolina and Duke in the semi- second semifinal. Let's talk about the first game. Villanova and Kansas. Kansas a four-point favorite. Aaron, who have you got? Well, I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, before Justin Moore, who was the, the uh, Villanova's second leading scorer, went down with that Achilles injury, had you asked me a week ago, I actually would have taken Villanova just because I think that is such a, a savvy, uh, tested team. I would have given them the nod, but you know, with with more out with an Achilles tendon injury, he's not only their second leading scorer, he's their best defender. And uh, Villanova hasn't allowed a team in this tournament to score more than sixty-one points. You're you're talking about a huge blow. And I, I just think that Kansas, I believe they've won sixteen straight games heading in. I think that Bill Self has his team humming right now, and. My pick would be uh, to go with Kansas. My heart would be Villanova, but I think that the, the common sense for me would be to take Kansas in this game. How about you? Yeah, same way. I, I'd love to see Villanova win, and certainly uh, without Justin Moore, who tore his Achilles last week, it would be a great story if they could overcome that. But in Kansas, you're probably talking about a team that at least to this point has looked like the most complete team in the tournament. And mm-hmm. this is – and. 
And look, Nova had won some games this year with Justin Moore not uh, not not looking uh, great, not looking all that proficient. Like last week before he got injured, he was two for ten from the field, right. zero for six from inside a three point range. But like you said, he was a terrific defender. And th- the the genius of Justin Moore is that he finds a way to have a positive contribution even when his shot isn't falling. Without him, I think that that Nova's going to be hard pressed to stay in it. So I'm going to I'm going to take Kansas as a four point favor. And now we get to the nightcap: Duke and North Carolina. North North Carolina is a four point underdog in this game. You've spent a lot of time on Tobacco Road, so have I. Who do you got, Arn? Well, I, I I cannot wait. And and thankfully, this is the late game, right? I I don't yes. think that the Villanova um, Kansas game is going to be particularly close. However, I think that this one very well could be. What I think is interesting, if you flash back to when UNC went into Cameron and spoiled the finale for Coach K in that that arena, that was really a trampoline for both of these programs. It, it proved to the, the Tar Heels, hey, we can play and we can beat anybody. We can play with anybody. We can beat anybody in any environment, and they did it. And for Duke, I think it was a real wake-up call, which was, hey, you know, if you're not on your game, you're going to be going home really quickly in March. And I think the interesting thing about that game, if you if you kind of take a look back, I think those players got wrapped up into what was going on. You had 50-plus alums in Cameron, former uh, Blue Devil greats. You had this big ceremony taking place before and after the game. And I think these players got swept up in it. They had beaten the Tar Heels by 20 uh, in the Smith Center. Uh, and then they end up losing at home by double digits to that same team. So I think it was a great wake-up call for Duke, and I think that this is a team that's really found itself. I think Duke may be, top to bottom, the most talented team roster-wise. I think Kansas is playing, I agree with you, I think they're playing probably their best basketball, and they're doing it very consistently. Uh, I think in this game, I give the nod to Duke, but as we've seen with Carolina, uh, this is a team that can rise to the occasion, and uh, the opportunity for the Tar Heels to not only spoil Coach K's goodbye at Cameron, but to knock him out of the tournament forever, boy, that, that would be a huge chunk of bragging rights that uh, <laughs> folks that root for UNC would be able to gloat about for years. So for me, I think Duke does have an edge in this game, but man, I, I think this is really going to be must-see TV. Who do you got? It, it, will, it definitely will be, and uh, I think uh, Duke has a little bit more depth. Certainly, Carolina's got an iron five, as it were, in their starting lineup. We saw against Baylor mm-hmm. that uh, when Brady Manick got forced out got forced out with the ejection, what can happen to that that team it kind of kind of breaks down duke with a little bit more depth and that's why i'm gonna i'm going to take duke in in this game of course that being said i'm rooting for the tar heels i mean i always bet against my team anyway because that's just a superstitious <laughs> thing for me uh but this should be a, a classic and i think for everyone who just wants to watch a, a, a great game they're going to be satisfied guys what do you think you know the thing about that game at cameron and you you i thought you made a great point that it really was a jumping off point for both teams. I mean, it was kind of obvious for North Carolina because this game, they got behind not by nine points with about four minutes to go in the first half. And the, the hallmark of the North Carolina team until that point in the season was that if they got down, they were incapable of coming back. And if anything, the game usually got out of hand mm-hmm. when they fell behind because 
going into that game, they were legitimately a bubble team, and they were a bubble team because whenever they went, for the most part, whenever they went against top-shelf opposition, they didn't just lose, but most of the time they were bombed. They lost by nine points to Purdue back in the, back in the Hall of Fame tip-off in November. And then the next night, they lost to Tennessee by 17. They lost to Kentucky by 29. They lost to Miami by 28. They lost to Wake Forest by 22. And then in that game against Duke at the Smith Center back in February, they fell behind at the start, never led at any point in the game, and lost by 20. And it was basically a 20-point game for for about the last uh, for about the last 25 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they took it's the fact that they took the punch from Duke and and came back it set up everything that followed it set up uh, what followed in in the Baylor game when they did lose a lead and going into that overtime mm-hmm. with Caleb Love fouled out with Brady Manick ejected I, I don't think anybody thought North Carolina was going to win in overtime once Baylor had come all the way back and they actually dominated overtime mm-hmm. in that game to set to set him up so it's a team that it has developed a considerable mental toughness that I did not think that it had just a month ago. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. And I think you really have to tip your cap to, to Hubert Davis, who, you know, in his first year at the helm, re- replacing the legendary um, Roy Williams, he could have panicked, right? You've got a team that, that is underachieving. Gosh, they lost at home by Pitt in one of the most embarrassing losses I can remember. Ugh, and yet here they are. They're going to play in the national semifinal. Uh, national semifinal. I think that's a tremendous credit to to Davis, who's done a great job with this team and and continuing to to kind of coddle and coach. And uh, you know, boy, for a basketball fan, the Final Four is always great. It's great theater. But when you have two rivals like this, two schools located eight miles apart, the greatest rivalry in college basketball history. And uh, we know the stakes are, are even more high with Coach K getting ready to, to ride off into the sunset. You really couldn't write a better script. And, you know, there's a part of me, Mace, I know you're a huge Tar Heel fan. Or Tar Heel fan. I wonder, we've seen Roy Williams at basically every one of these games. He's very supportive, he's very complimentary of the job Davis has done. There's a part of me that wonders um, if Coach Williams wished one year, uh, this is the anniversary, actually, it, it, it came down on April Fool's Day that he was stepping down. I wonder if if Roy Williams, deep down, wishes he had hung on for one more year and given this one more ride the, the way that Coach K has. That's a good, that's a really good question. I, I've thought about that a lot, but one thing that I kind of, that I think about is that the things that he was saying and the sentiments he was expressing when he stepped away was that uh, the game, the game was changing. In effect, with with NIL in play and the transfer portal in play, sure. effectively you have to re-recruit your team every year. Mm-hmm. And that it was something that he didn't particularly want to do, that the, the, the new environment environment where college basketball is going is not something that he necessarily wanted to, uh, uh, to, be, to be a part of. And another thing about this North Carolina team, it is far more three-point dependent than – most of Roy Williams's teams were like usually with Roy, you know, you'd have you'd have your your big guy in the middle, but then you'd have uh, your your four was not a stretch four was very much a power type of t- power type of player, mm-hmm. and it was get the ball down low and kind of play from the inside out. That was what Roy preferred to do. Right. This North Carolina team, uh, Hubert Davis, 
said he was going to change the way it played, modernize it a little bit for where the game is going. And so the key component to that was instead of having a power guy as their four, they've got a classic stretch four there in Brady Manick, six foot nine, who's one of the best three-point shooters in, in the country and has has a lot of length, can run, the, can run the floor well, but prefers to play on the perimeter. And I don't know this Carolina team gets there with Roy Williams coming in because I think it would have looked if he'd come back because I think it would have looked completely different than uh, what Hubert Davis made this team into. Uh, very, very fair point. And, you know, sometimes I, I think a program needs a jolt. And mm-hmm. not that Roy Williams was, was you know, behind the times by any means or stretch. I mean, he won a national championship. When was that? 2017. So uh, yep. w- we certainly know that he was still, you know, putting a, not only great recruiting classes together, but he was putting a good product on the floor. However, I think you hit on something, which is Hubert Davis came in and kind of opened things up a little bit. And right. uh, that's a roster where I think you had the players who could do that, and it's a testament to where they are right now, the fact that he let them play their style of basketball. Right, and and, as a, and you have even a guy like Leaky Black, more of a defensive player, mm. who's become a decent shooter when asked as well. It's a better shooting team from the perimeter that Carolina's had. Very very tailored for where the, for where, uh, the, the game is going, so we'll see what they have. It's going to be a massive game uh, tomorrow night at the Superdome. That That is at 649 Mountain Time is when Carolina and Duke will tip off. Danny, what did we miss today? Well, a massive game going on right around Thanksgiving. Mace, you and Eric talked about it a little bit yesterday. We will go into a little more depth on Team USA's draw for the World Cup in Qatar this November. That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Anderson and Mason. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. After Drive with Goodman and Mason, watch us on milehighsports.com. Listen to Mile Sports Radio. 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD, 3 FM in Denver. You know what, Danny? I love that bumper music. I think every U.S. national team should come out onto the court, come out on the field, whatever, with that song by James Brown playing, Living in America. What do you think? It is a great tune. I, I'm a big James Brown fan, and I think that that would bring a lot of good, uh, a lot of good energy to the court or to the field before they start playing. Well, I, I think it's all fun and games until um, you know Apollo gets killed. You know, I mean, that put a That's damper true. on the whole song for me. But uh, yeah, seeing James Brown <laughs> and Rocky Four, man, that'll get your blood pumping. I'm, I'm with you. I'd love to hear it, but uh, let's uh, observe a moment of silence for Apollo. Well, I mean, if. If only the towel could have gotten in the ring sooner. You know, you know that's just, like there are a couple of scenes that I saw in movies when I was a kid. To this day, I, I can't watch. One of them is when it's funny we had the uh, the Top Gun drop earlier in the mm. show. I can't watch the scene where Goose dies in Top Gun. Ah, and I have to turn away when Apollo dies in Rocky Four. Well, I think for Look me, the damn towel. <laughs> for me, Mace, it would be when Old Yeller dies. That's one I can't watch. It yeah. still uh, chokes me up, but uh, yeah, you know, it's funny that there, 
as a kid, and, and I'm sure you were the same way, you couldn't, w- you couldn't wait to go to the movies, right? Yeah. You just sit there and be captivated for hours on end. And I remember where I was when I saw The Natural and that, that whole scene and tremendous ending play out with Roy Hobbs hitting the home run. And, the, you know, it looked like the fireworks display on 4th of July is, you know, the, the stadium lights were blowing out one by one. But I'm with you. There are certain movie scenes where I don't know if you get choked up. You just you hate the fact that that character is no longer a part of that movie. And when Goose went down, that certainly yeah. was one of those for me as well. Yeah, very true. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. I am going to save that U.S. men's national team draw for the second hour when hopefully we'll have a little more time to talk about it. But just a quick one here. Six-time All-Pro linebacker Bobby Wagner has agreed to a five-year, $50 million deal with the defending champion L.A. Rams. Your thoughts on Bobby Wagner switching NFC West teams? There's a history of this in the NFC West. It's really fascinating. Like, for example, you know, you had... Richard Sherman, a few years back, when he left the for, the Seahawks, he went to the 49ers. It sort of reminds me of the uh, of the AFC West back in the day when you'd have, like, Neil Smith going from Kansas City to Denver and wow. then Ray Crockett going from Denver to Can- Kansas City. There, there was always a, a pretty healthy uh, a shuffling around the division, and uh, it, Wagner going to the Rams kind of evokes memories of that. Well, my first thought was, I know that Wagner still has some football left in him, and you Second know, team All Pro last year. It, yep. At five years, the guaranteed money is is fifty million. Uh, incentives could bump that up to sixty five. You're talking about a guy who is an anchor on that defense. You had another player. I mean, I know the Rams they lost Von Miller, but boy, to add Wagner to that group, man, that is that's a huge coup. And you know, it's not like he's going to need any Newt Rockney speeches to get Raren to go to to tackle Seattle. I mean, that guy is going to be amped up beyond belief. I think that's a huge get for the defending champions. I think it, I think it is too. And, uh, and they're going to, there's, there's going to be a pretty solid fit for him in, in their, uh, in their defense. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Rams look, the Rams look ready to, to, to try to, to try to run it back here all over again. Just because they don't have draft picks, just because they they sign they they have a bunch of contracts, they're fitting in and kicking the can down the road. They're they're still very much in a, in in go for it mode. The salary cap's kind of a rumor to them. Yeah, you know they've they've kind of bent the old Al Davis line. It's not just win, baby. It's just win now, baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, they they're primed and, and locked and loaded for another run for sure. Yep. That was, just in case you missed it, brought to you by our friends over at Mountain High Appliance, where you can try before you buy, test out the appliances you get. They've got a terrific selection, the best in Colorado, and they will offer you a no-hassle, pressure-free uh, experience when you go over there and shop for your for any range of any model of appliances. You want an oven, you want a fridge, you want a, a stove, you want a washer and dryer everything they've got you covered over at mountain high appliance and they've got multiple locations along the front range in lewisville littleton colorado springs you want to go out to glenwood springs they got a location even out there too and of course their clearance center 
in Denver. So check it out. And if you want to see what they've got available without leaving your chair, it is as easy as checking out mountainhighappliance.com to see what they've got over there. Plenty of stuff. Coming up on the other side, we just talked about how the NFC West is looking sort of like the AFC West back in the day with lots of lots of movement. Well, last week we were talking a lot about the Kansas City Chiefs when they traded Tyreek Hill. And both Eric Goodman and I thought the deal made some sense long-term for them. But there were some things coming out this week about the Chiefs and what they might do with the cap space and the draft capital they picked up in that deal that uh, may kind of undermine that a bit but may make them potent for this year. What would that mean for the Broncos? We'll talk about it on the other side. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Aaron Anderson in for Eric Goodman. Andrew Mason here on Mile High Sports Radio, milehighsports.com. Matches, 